Welcome to the Summit for Wellness podcast, where we help you climb to the peak of your health. And now, here is your host, Brian Carroll. When you're taking a look at your genes, you can see some of the potential that you have available within your genes. But also, you can see some of the potential setbacks that you could have as well, especially when it comes to your health which is why it's important to know what your genetic blueprint looks like so that if there are any potential risk factors that you may be susceptible to, there are things you can do dietary-wise and lifestyle-wise to make changes so these genes don't actually turn on. What's up, everyone? My name is Brian Carroll, and I'm here to help people move more, eat well, and be adventurous. And today I have Terry Cochran on the show to teach us all about how to utilize your genetic blueprint to figure out what could be some potential setbacks for you and also how to really optimize your diet and your lifestyle to influence your genes in a healthy way. So she comes to us and she has her wildatarian diet and she also has a book based around that as well. But she's taking a look at your genetic blueprint and seeing what it is that you should be consuming that is best for your own body which means every single body is a little bit different. What works for you might not work for someone else in your family, and it definitely won't work for your friends and etc. So Terry Cochran is the founder of the Global Sustainable Health Institute, and she's an international thought leader in longevity. And through her decades of clinical work, Terry has developed the Cochrane Method, which examines the intersection of gen- genetic expression due to pathogenic and environmental causes, energy, and her client's unique personal blueprint. And she specializes in solutions to complex health conditions and serves world-class athletes. So let's dive into my conversation with Terry. Thank you, Terry, for coming onto the show. Thanks so much for having me, Brian. Of course, and I'm really excited because you bring a very unique approach to helping people to regain control of their health. But before we get into the, all that, let's learn a little bit more about you, your background, and what got you into this in the first place. Sure. Well, if you would have asked me 20 years ago, would you and I be having a podcast on wellness, I would have said, what? <laughs> I'm in an institutional finance and risk management And that was my first career, um, international finance and bankruptcy expertise. I ran a business unit for Freddie Mac in their multifamily division. But when my first son, uh, first child was born, my son, by the age of three, we were told to expect uh, a broken child, that he would have brain seizures, that he wouldn't grow past five foot four. We we spent a lot of time managing life-threatening asthma. Uh, he was failing to thrive. He was barely walking and talking at age three. And we went down the allopathic uh, route of medicine. I lived in the metro DC area, a lot of great hospitals, a lot of great teaching hospitals, in fact. Um, and a lot of you know very skilled uh, MDs and practitioners, but he was the case of, uh, well, we're just gonna feed him full of steroids, antibiotics, bronchial dilators, um, agitators to his nervous system and hope that he can breathe and hope that he can learn. And after several years of only watching him further deteriorate, I decided that using my risk management skills in uh, finance, I adopted those skills and applied them to his health. And that was the start of uh, 
what is now another almost 20 year career in this uh, personalized uh, health platform. Yeah, it's pretty interesting because it seems like we really have to be advocates for our own health and our own health situations. So having that risk management background has got to be very helpful, not only for you and your own family, but for the people that you're working with too. You're able to you know, look at what's the high risk situations, what's the high risk issues that you need to deal with first, and then be able to create a plan in order to help people navigate those issues. Is that correct? That is exactly right. And we look at, it has to be a very intentional protocol of removing the big rocks first is what I call. Because for example, if there's heavy metal toxicity and you try to chelate with a system that has impaired detoxification pathways, then what's gonna happen is you're just gonna retoxify. And so my Cochrane method that I've developed over several years uh, really illuminates the hierarchy of needs of the body. Perfect. And I have to ask, did you ever figure out like what were the root causes with your son? Was there anything specific or was it a, a myriad of multiple things? Well, great question. And I can look in the rear view mirror when I first started with him completely, you know, as a uh, mama bear (laughs) trying to uh, shift the the quality of life of my son. Um, I started with food first, right? And then I realized as I started doing my own study that there was an endocrine system involvement, that his adrenals were really taxed because of the steroids, the daily steroids he'd been given. But as I look in the rearview mirror, now that we do um, considered a nutrigenomics expert and epigenetics expert, is that he was born premature. Uh, My birth was a bit, his birth was a bit traumatic. Um, His adrenals when he at birth were already depleted and he did not have the endocrine system to manage a, a premature birth. And so he immediately, what was given to him to help him breathe were steroids. Well, steroids further depletes adrenal function. Steroids feeds strep and candida that then trips genetics in him. And he has, I say, I have, you know, I kind of got the uh, cornucopia of bad genes, (laughs) Uh, which I then then translated to him. Now, genes are just our potential. They don't have to be expressed, but in his case, they expressed. And it really started a cascade of autoimmunity, failure to thrive, uh, bleeding eczema, asthma, uh, potential brain seizures. And so now I look back and say, of course, these tripping mechanisms related to his physiology. Uh, But at the time, I was just trying to get him to be, you know, work better. But I will say work better is physiologically within five days of eliminating five foods and he's 27 now and we started this journey uh first uh at at three his three-year well check is when we were told hey all the wheels have come off and you're going to have a child with you know no wheels Mm -hmm. right um and so by the age of five he was really falling off the cliff and that's when i started doing this work uh and the research you know i became i had i was a risk manager by day of billions of dollars of assets uh and i was a risk manager by night for my son's mystery condition And the food though really shifted when we eliminated peanuts and corn and citrus and dairy and wheat within five days, his breathing started getting better. The dark circles, allergic shiners now they're called, I didn't know that at the time, they started receding a little bit. 
So there was almost an immediate response to, wow, I'm eliminating these foods. We're having a, a almost, you know, physiological immediate response. And gluten-free wasn't even on anyone's radar at that time. I found myself making bagels from scratch. <laughs> um, back then, I did so much. I, I Eventually, I've obviously left my job and then went back to school to really go deep into, let's not only fix him, let's make him you know, his vibrant best self, which eventually that's what ended up happening. So you mentioned taking away a lot of the, the high stress foods and within five days he was, you know, breathing better. How long do you think it took to get him overall in a really healthy place? Was this a couple yes. months, a couple years? Well, I didn't have the training or background. So I was, you know, I was gunslinging, <laughs> uh, you know, before I went and went through my schooling, which took several years. But I would say by the age of 10, we were really seeing some progress. Um, and that's actually when I quit my job. So I was still working in the financial services industry until he was 10. I was, you know, moonlighting, if you will, to try to get him better. Uh, and then when I, it took several years to go through the schooling process. But by the time he was in high school, he became a junior Olympic champion. He was, um, he was varsity swimmer. Um, he became, he was a valediction speaker for his school. So, um, it really all shifted. Wow. That's amazing. So that's a phenomenal story of recovery. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Well done. It's beautiful. And I, th I think that's where some of the most powerful stuff comes from when you have someone so close to you and someone that you love so much and you want to make sure that they have the best health possible. That's where you as a practitioner really learn how to you know, work with people and be able to really get them to the place that uh, they want to be at. So when it comes to working with your own kids versus adults, there can be a little bit of differences there. So what's it like switching over to working with adults who have, you know, opinions, they're grown up, they feel like, you know, there's, they know some stuff or they think they know some stuff and they're more likely to fight back compared to you just telling them, hey, this is what you need to do. Yeah, that's a great question. And so I will tell you, Brian, that by the time people get to our practice, they have been to multiple practitioners. We call ourselves the last stop saloon. And because our reputation is what it is, uh, which we're very proud of, um, people are saying, we understand that your methodology is really has is 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 very pioneering. And we're here to affect that change. And so what I do is and I've, this is what I did with my my son. And I have a pediatric to geriatric practice. So we see children as young as five weeks old. We're also fertility specialists. And our I think I just saw one of our most senior uh, individuals today who's turning 88. Oh, nice. Uh, I called her a masterpiece because she's so robust at 88. She's more robust than many people half her age. Um, and she's like, I like coming here because <laughs> I said, I'm just telling you the truth. Uh, you know, she's, she's really robust. So what we do is we educate. So we don't say, take this and just trust me because I know better. I want them to be just as informed and in the facility of what I call body talk. So what I will say is we empower people to take control of their health. And we do it through education, and we also do it through the facility of body language, body talk, because their body is giving them feedback in real time on how quickly changes can occur, positive changes, when you match your genetic blueprint to your current state of health. 
And we just, we had another woman in here today who has tried everything. Her parents are diabetic. Um, she's got facility to have a personal trainer, personal diet, chef, all, all of these things and could not drop a pound. Had been on diets and had been to all of these, you know, so-called experts. In six weeks, she's lost 11 pounds. Her insulin sensitivity has gone through the roof. She's she's happy, she's sleeping. It's a massive change. Why? Because we tied her genetic blueprint to her current state of health. And for her case, in her case, it wasn't about the sugar. She was cutting carbs. In her case, it was fat malabsorption. She couldn't break down fats and she was eating a keto diet. Well, keto was kicking her butt because insulin is also called the fat storage hormone. And the more she fat she ate, the more fat she stored as insulin around the waist. And then when insulin is insensitive, you're gonna gain weight. So she was just beside herself happy to say, my gosh, how can I have lost, without trying, I'm not exercising, I'm not dieting, how could I have lost 11 pounds in six weeks? Well, because the body is that miraculous. And it is that masterpiece when it understands when you give it what it needs. I like what you said earlier about genes is you could have the genes doesn't mean they have to express themselves. And I think a lot of people fall back on um, using their genes as an excuse rather than focusing on what they can do to make those genes turn on and off the correct way. Absolutely. Genes, I really look at genes much like our pathogens, right? So. We are only 43% us. The rest of us is not us. We have billions and trillions of microorganisms, viruses, bacteria, parasitic organisms, fungal organisms that coexist happily within us. I call it the UN, everybody gets a seat at the table. But when they become bullies, right, they get overexpressed, they get turned on, if you will, and then all the imbalances the homeostatic imbalances within us, boom, they break open and we're out of balance. Very much like genes, right? So genes, it doesn't matter. I say I have the trifecta of terrible genes. However, I keep them in check. I keep their lights off. Those that should be turned off, they're off. Those that should be turned on, they're on. And I navigate it beautifully as do my clients when they understand the power of food and supplementation. As young as, children as young as seven, Children as young as five, they really understand their body. We had a, I've been working with this one little girl, 10 years, she was anaphylactic to over 52 foods. Oh wow. Anaphylactic. So to put her out in any environment was dangerous to her. She's now eating the foods that she was anaphylactic to. And she understands the power of the body to heal. So she's not afraid of food. She has respect for those foods that she has to microdose still. But this is this is supposedly, supposedly when you're anaphylaxis, you will be anaphylaxis. Well, she's proven it's not. We turned off all of her genes that were creating such a high histamine and mast cell response that led to anaphylaxis. Wow, that's amazing. So you mentioned um, you check people's genetic blueprints. How are you testing for that? So we go through, and I have a naturopathic doctor that's in my office, and we go through either 23andMe and Ancestry.com that really looks to the potentiality of the genes, and then I run it through the Cochrane method. So that's my methodology that I've created, which is a very sophisticated 
um, algorithm that goes to what is the symphony of how these genes are talking to us through the symptomology. And then what we do is we, I've, I've developed an iterative applied kinesiology methodology. I did not invent applied kinesiology, but the way that I've created, I adapted it to the Cochrane method and which is eating to your genetic blueprint and what are the portals of genetic expression. So the Cochrane method speaks to what are the portals of a genetic expression, which are pathogenic environmental, including food and toxins, emotional, the thought creates the thing, the trigger, the signal to the gene. That's the beautiful work of uh, Dr. Lipton, Bruce Lipton, and then a physical impact. And so in real time, what we do is we take vials that have the electromagnetic signature of the MTHFRC677T, which is a methylation gene, which is a lot of doctors are testing for that right now. The test only shows that you have it. What I love about this real-time feedback from applied kinesiology is, is it being expressed, right? And so we're looking at it anecdotally that based on the signaling to the body, did that, is that gene signaling in a way that's impairing your body right now or not? And so what I love about this is we have the, the, the genetic analysis, if you will, the epigenetic analysis, and then we're looking at it, how does it link to the symptom? And then when we see that the symptom has resolved and we see that that gene is no longer expressed, then we're in balance again. For example, this, this young lady that came today that lost the 11 pounds in six weeks, there's a gene polymorphism called the INSR that's the insulin regulating gene. When she came back last time, she has the gene. When she came the first time, it was expressed. Well, now we tested it, it's not expressed. And how do we know anecdotally that it's not expressed? She's lost 11 pounds, that middle belly fat is gone. The body's responded. Yep, and then they're happy. They're getting the results and they're that they happy. want. Yep, exactly. Yes. So uh, when you're using like 23andMe, um, are you taking the raw data or are you taking the, uh, the I don't know how you would call it, the data that they provide that the consumer data, yeah. no, we take the raw data, which is thousands and thousands of SNPs. We go through it, we analyze it, we bucket it. I've got the sharks, the minnows, mm -hmm. <laughs> the sharks and the minnows. The sharks are where you have a double allele. That means you got one from each parent. That means that the likelihood of that gene expressing, if it expresses, can have a big, big impact, right? And then we look at them not only in isolation, but we look at them as a symphony. How are these relating to each other? If you have an insulin, uh, receptor gene and you also have a f lot of fat metabolism genes and then you have a lot also a lot of mold which mold is held in biofilm biofilm is a lipid lipid is a fat that's a lot of genes relating to fat metabolism so your sugar and diabetes could be related to your inability to process fats and much less a, a, an issue with sugar now when it comes to trying to create a diet for a person based off of their genetic blueprint mm-hmm a lot of the diets that we hear about have similar foundations where it's, you know, get away from the processed foods and start incorporating whole real foods, etc. Is there any specific diet that works the best with people? Or is that where the genes come in and you're starting to look at, you know, this person might do a little bit better with more animal type products in there compared to other things. This person might do better with more vegetarian type diet, etc. Uh, yes, and. Uh, it's a lot more granular than that. So, for example, we call it and we inquire, are you eating the right, wrong foods? So foods that have been touted as superfoods like broccoli and uh, arugula and killer kale, as I call it. Uh, Dave Asprey and I, <laughs> we tease about kale being such a villain. Um, 
because it can be for many people with their uh, certain genetic uh, pre whoops certain genetic predispositions. Sorry, these little earbuds are not doing what they're supposed to today. Um, and so, what we do is we get super granular. And the wildatarian approach, what I what I'm really proud of is that we have developed four, actually almost twelve different archetypes, wild types, depending on your genetic blueprint and your current state of health. And so we have a quiz that you can take on our website, and that quiz takes you to what wild type are you. And within the wild type, I have, over the almost 20 years and the thousands and thousands of, of client outcomes that we've seen is, you're going to fall into one of those types, and you're going to eat to that type. And that's if you can't see us in practice, where then we get super, super granular. But what I have found is that for example, individuals that can't process sulfur, then cabbage and broccoli and collar and kale and egg yolks could be a problem. And that's, you know, that's touted as really healthy foods. Or if you have an oxalate sensitivity, then almonds and black beans and chocolate and spinach are a problem. And if you can't process fats, then being a, a, a keto or a high paleo is going to be a problem. And if you can't process a combination of those, then those are all problems. Now, does that mean you will never have spinach again or never have uh, arugula? No, it just means that you're going to really be mindful and respectful of where is that tipping point. And to, to point to that, we had a client who had Crohn's, that's an autoimmune condition of inflammation of the intestines, and Barrett's esophagitis, which is a cancerous esophageal um, inflammation. Well. When you have that, they say you will always have it. You have to go on a, an immunosuppressant or a biologic drug. Well, this person came back. They had their biopsies. That's gone. It's gone. So how is that possible? Because the body has the ability to regenerate when you're giving it what it needs so it doesn't have to express the genetics behind what causes the symptomology. And so it's that powerful, Brian. Yeah, that's amazing. When people are first coming to you and you do the genetic blueprint, are you also doing anything, any other testing, such as a food sensitivity test to see what they're currently having issues with, or are you just going off of the blueprint? Well, we look at the blueprint, but we also test food as part of our applied kinesiology, and the blueprint goes to food. So, um, and we've, you know, we've helped people that we've never even met because we do see people from across the world. Um that as long as we have their genetic blueprint and we've tied it to their symptomology, we can get very, very accurate in terms of how you should eat and supplement. Because it's not just about the food, it's about supplementation. So for example, we had someone who had life-threatening psoriasis where almost her entire body was a tree trunk. Her, her skin was so significantly rough, it was going into her lungs. She, was, she had been to the Mayo Clinic she had been to New, some of the top New York doctors. Um, they were saying it was a liver, it was a liver malfunction, and they were giving her glutathione IVs. Now, glutathione is very popular in the world of functional medicine. Well, in her case, glutathione was a poison because she had multiple SNPs that related to inability to process sulfur, and glutathione is a sulfur compound. So, any foods and any supplementation, pharmaceutical or not, became a poison in her system. And when we discerned that, this incurable condition was gone. So we have to look at, for example, another one which is really uh, interesting, which m many people don't know and, and very touted in the world of functional medicine is, is curcumin or turmeric. 
Turmeric has been known as an anti-cancer, as an anti-inflammatory, as a liver detoxifier. It's just great. Well, if you have the CYP2D6 polymorphism, that can become a pro-inflammatory, a pro-oxidant, and back up your liver because it can reduce your detoxification pathway by up to 50%. 5-0. Not 5%, not 15, but 50. That's a problem. I know because I have that gene. <laughs> and if I eat turmeric a lot, it's going to tell me that I'm not going to feel very good at all. I'm going to feel terrible. So, and people don't understand, and they're saying, I'm taking, I had one client, she'd come to me first time, Terry, I don't understand. I've put on 15 pounds over five weeks. My thyroid is completely off. I'm not doing anything differently. What am I? This is a new client. So, we really started because you have to ask the right questions. We say, if you ask the right questions, the right answers will follow. And I said, okay, well, walk me through your day and tell me exactly what you do as you eat. And so she said, well, I start my day with turmeric tea. I've been drinking it five times a day. We checked her genetics. Oh my gosh, you have this gene. It's been expressed. You are, your lymphatic system can't hold it. You're going fluffy because your liver is so backed up and the liver is telling the lymph, hey, deal with it. And the lymph is going, we can't. Because she also had some fat metabolism issues. Well, she came back, everything was beautiful. Six weeks later, we do a, a six week follow. So it's, sometimes it's that simple. That one thing is just like the tipping point that throws you into a rabbit hole that you become mystery illness, but it wasn't that mysterious. Not to us, at least. Yep. I like what you said earlier about the healthy wrong foods, because it's so, it's so fitting for this exactly. A lot of people, you know, you hear about in the news or whatever, the next healthy superfood, and then everyone wants to take it. But like you said, everybody's a little different. And if you can't yes. process that food, or if your body doesn't like that food, just because it's a superfood doesn't mean it's good for you. No, it's not super for you. Mm -mm. You know, so that's the thing. And when people ask me, Terry, is this healthy? I say, maybe. Let's figure <laughs> out who you are, how you are, and why you are. And then I can better, better answer that question. Now, one of the things that your website talks about is the Wildatarian movement. Can you tell me a little bit more about what is a wildatarian movement? Yes. So wildatarian, I made up the word. <laughs> and uh, this is eating to your genetic blueprint and your current state of health. And it is it speaks to the big rocks of what's ailing our food system. And uh, it goes to these truncated protein structures by the name of amyloids. We've, we've heard about the amyloids of the uh, brain and Alzheimer's and Parkinson's and in kidney disease. Well, we now know that our food supply is actually feeding our system with amyloids by the crowding condition of animals. And I'm very pioneering in this work of its application. The clinical studies were out there that's just never been applied that the crowding conditions is creating in the tissue of certain animals, in particular chicken, these truncated protein structures, which then we eat, these amyloids are feeding viral reactivations, which is contributing to autoimmunity, and there's this whole cascading event. So we go, the wildatarian, the definition of wildatarian is eating a low amyloid, low mycotoxin. Mycotoxin is those things that are fire starter for molds and other pathogens, okay? Uh, generally wild, wild because what we found that animals in the wild, sustainably raised, have a lower amyloid burden, and the low low sulfur, low oxalate uh, food source. So it is a movement because we defined. I've actually redefined diet, the word diet in the book, 
because when we say you're going to go on a diet, well, that in our brain, it calibrates to, oh, am I going to go off the diet, <laughs> right? I'm going on the diet. When the heck can I get off the diet? And so because diet is, is perceived to be a, a deprivation-based, temporary-based approach to how you're going to get through your day from, from a food consumption perspective. I have flipped it, and it's abundant and infinite in its, in its potential to have you be one with your food, love it, become a foodie, become part of the movement of sustainable, healthy living, so because we are, and I'm not, I'm not the author of this statement, but the, we are a microcosm of the macrocosm. And so every time we choose to eat organic, to eat to our genetic blueprint, so we're not off-gassing because we can off-gas as well, uh, that we're choosing to uh, only use our food dollars to invest in food sources that have been sustainably raised, that are cruelty-free, that rotate the crops, that don't spray glyphosate, ergo roundup on their crops, which has created a massive deleterious effect on our ecosystem of the planet, that we are part of this movement to the subtitle of this wildetarian movement is to live as nature intended. If we live as nature intended and we allow nature to be nature, then we won't have this massive autoimmune epidemic where, where one in 14 one in 14, Brian, individuals in the United States have been diagnosed with an autoimmune disease. One in four individuals are stated they will be diabetic by the year 2040, and one in three children born after the year 2000. That's, those are all nutritional diseases. Heart disease is the number one killer in men and women. Hey guys, it's a nutritional disease. Diabetes is a nutritional disease. High blood pressure, high blood sugar, high cholesterol. We can all turn it around eating the right foods to our genetic blueprint in our current state of health, and we see it day in and day out in this, body, in this, in this practice. And then they become our disciples because the wildetarian movement, I don't tell people you have to proselytize this movement, but they are so intrigued and they are so moved by their transformation that they can't help themselves. <laughs> and so it is because movement is about changing and we've got to change. We've got to change. We've got to turn this boat around of this massive nutrient depleted world that we're living in that's that's contributing massively to economic dysfunction to our national security brian i've been told i i, I have the a privilege of talking to some of these surgeon generals and and these top people in the military i've been told that 70 percent of those eligible for the military are not eligible because they're either obese or they have mental health issues or they have other health conditions that are nutritionally based that's a problem yep yeah, it's a threat to our society. It's a threat to our country. Um, one of those statistics that you said, one in 14 people have a diagnosed autoimmune condition. The key word there is diagnosed because it can take 10 plus years before you get diagnosed with an autoimmune condition. So there's plenty more people out there running around with health issues that are undiagnosed. And so Absolutely. I would say autoimmunity is a lot more common than just one in 14. I agree with you 100%. Yeah, and I think it's like seven out of the top 10 uh, top deaths in the US are all uh, nutrition and health uh, lifestyle related. So yeah, we could save a lot of people by making better choices with our food, our life, move more, etc. 100, absolutely. And this is the thing, it's it, it has a massive economic impact to the GDP because I do have a large pediatric practice, and with these kids, their executive functioning, Brian, 
is not what it was 20 years ago. Mm -mm. They're just not availing themselves of their full ability to be in their most executive brain function. It's not, it's not there for many of them. Nope. Yeah. Especially with the kids, it's like what one and two are experiencing anxiety or depression. Yes. That's, that's not acceptable in my book. No. Right. And so that's why I decided to leave a very promising career 18 years ago, because I wanted to be that mother to show other mothers and fathers that you don't have to be that one and two and drug your child. You can turn it around. We, I work with a lot of mental health in, in, in our practice, and it's very doable to manage it with nutrition and supplementation. Now, I'm not saying in all cases, and sometimes in acute cases, there must be, there, it's important to have pharmaceutical intervention. However, the vast majority of cases, and I will tell you, ADHD has a lot to do with insulin insensitivity. These kids are hypoglycemic and they look like they're hyper, but they're actually, they're shaking and they're, they can't think because their blood sugar has dropped initially and then it'll spike. I call it the sugar roller coaster. And then they're, they're, they're not able to sit. And so then they're, they're punished at school and then they're numbed at home. <laughs> it's not the way, it's not the way out. Nope, nope, definitely not. This is why we bring on risk managers into the health space so that they can manage the rest of us in this country. That's, <laughs> that's what we need. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> well, Terry, is there any final things that you want to make sure we uh, cover when it comes to the Cochrane method and the Wildatarian uh, movement and all that stuff? Well, uh, one of the things we say is that even though these statistics are scary and we look like we're devolving as, as a, as humanity, that it doesn't take that long to turn it around. And it's really, I, I really um, encourage your audience to become informed, but always to maintain that curiosity. And if you're taking a supplement or you're eating a food and it doesn't feel good and you're blaming yourself because maybe you didn't take it in right or it's the wrong time, let your body talk to you. It has amazing feedback loop. And that alone puts you back in your power and then take back your power. I love it. Well, Terry, people can find more about you at terrycochran.com. Uh, you mentioned there's a quiz over there, so people can go do that and find out, um, what was that, the type of dietary blueprint Yes, it's form? a wild type quiz to tell, you, to tell you what type of wildatarian you should be and then eat to that. Perfect. You also have a couple of products over there that are really awesome as well. Can you talk about those? Yeah, so uh, I've developed a supplement company and I've got three major products that I wanna focus with your listening audience on too. One is the Wild Lights after, you know, under the Wildatarian brand. And this is an electrolyte formula that's like no other. It's plant-based, it's only three ingredients. It's watermelon, cilantro, and sea salt. But I work with uh, world-class athletes as, as you may know, and all of my athletes take it to increase their performance. They love it. I just had a massive rock star just purchased two cases of wild lights he's coming out back on tour he he once he's become a wildatarian in the wildlife this is something he can't live without so not only is this a is an electrolyte powder but it also is it helps to manage the oxalate burden it helps to manage uric acid levels it helps with the cells communicate people t people have told me if i were stranded on a desert island and i only had two things all i would want was water and wildlife <laughs> Um, so it's just, it's really wonderful, especially for individuals that have sensitivity because it is plant-based. I actually developed Wild Lights uh, for my, one of my managers in my practice that used to be a division one athlete. 
and she could not take any electrolyte powder because she was sensitive to the sulfates and the nitrates and the the preservatives in uh, in her formulation. And she was still quite a very even though she was retired from her her um, her vocation as an athlete, she was still very much involved in athletics, and she was really struggling. And so Rachel was the reason Wild Lights was was born. And then um, the second. Um, supplement that I really want to share with your listening audience is something that we called stress mover and Dave Asprey, my good friend Dave Asprey named that for me. So thanks Dave. Um, and what this is again a unique a unique botanical uh, formulation and we say uh, I say that that supplements like food is a symphony if you get one one ingredient wrong in the in the supplement blend it's all going to sound wrong and it's not it's going to be wrong for your body. So we're very intentional about not taking in any of those fire starters for genetic tripping, if you will, uh, in this in this blend. And people have, have really just been amazed by its ability to calm the system, but also bring you into mental, mental acuity. It helps with sleep. It helps with stress. It helps with anxiety. It supports the modulation of our autonomic nervous system, our fight or flight response. It supports insulin response. It's got taurine in there, and taurine is like a magic bullet for helping to break down um, fats, helping to support uh, dopamine production, helping to manage um, the attenuation of our fight-or-flight response. So uh, very intentionally crafted. People love it. Uh, It's very benign. It's a do-no-harm, and it's a do-a-lot-of-good. Yeah, I know a lot of my audience, they live very high-stressful uh, lifestyles. They have high stress jobs, etc. So uh, that will definitely be a really good supplement. And I think I might have to give that one a try as well. So <laughs> wonderful. And again, people can find all that over at terrycochran.com. Thank you, Terry, so much for coming on and sharing this information. Uh, like I said, we need to be advocates for our own health. And health is decently complicated. But once you know the blueprint to follow, then it doesn't have to be complicated anymore. That's very well said. Thank you so much. It was a great pleasure. And it's it's complicated, but it's simple in its, in its application. And that's the thing. It doesn't have to be hard. We can get it. We can get it right. I hope you were able to learn a couple things from Terry on how to best optimize your own genetic blueprint. And if you want to work with her or learn more about how she can help you discover what your genetic blueprint might look like, then head on over to terrycochran.com and you can fill out her quiz over there. Also, she does have her products that you can go check out as well, which is the Wild Lights, the Stress Mover, and the Immune Mover. So go give those a look as well. Okay, next week I have Chris Quiones on the show. Let's go learn who she is and what we'll be talking about. I am here with Chris Quiones. Hey, Chris, what is one unique thing about you that most people don't know? Uh, most people don't know that I spend my free time in part as a competitive ballroom dancer. So as much as I hold the quiet Zen space for my clients and my personal practices, I also hold space for a lot of vitality and passion through Latin ballroom dance. Well, your ability to probably stay calm in competitive um, situations probably really helps you too, I would assume. Yeah, these skill sets and habits of the yogis are one that can be applied to anyone. Uh, if you are looking for that embodied knowledge of 
integrating the mind and body with spirit and soul, then you have a lot more ease in life and vitality. And, and that's what I'm all about. So. And what will we be learning about in our interview together? I'm going to be sharing some of the daily habits of yogis to manage pain naturally and to eliminate inflammation and improve their mobility in life. And what are your favorite foods or nutrients that you think everyone should get more of in their diet? Mm, I think everyone should get more in their diet of the bitter taste. The bitter taste is found in foods like dark leafy greens or uh, green bell peppers, spices like turmeric. Uh, this taste is something we've gotten away from in our modern production of food, which is so heavily on the sweet, sour, salty spectrum. The bitter taste is where we get the true medicinal power of our plants in cleaning and cooling our blood from environmental toxins that we absorb on a daily basis and from our uh, choices around our, our diet. So, you know, we have a lot of processed food, we favor the sweet, and we don't get enough bitter. And the bitter is actually what keeps the lymph clean. The bitter is what supports the immune system and the lymph health and the health of the fascia. Bitter is the bristle brush that comes along and kind of sweeps out the gunk and crap from the accumulated sugar and salts and uh, filler that we take in in life, right? Um, so it doesn't have to be a lot, but just, just a little bit more bitter in your daily life. These can be invasive weeds. These can be wilted greens if you're into green juicing or even just taking... Um, you know, more of a adventurous route with your culinary spices and experimenting with, with different herbs and spices in your diet. That's number one. It's more of a bitter taste for people in their health and tissue management. And then the other two are not necessarily food as we think about it on what to put on the plate, but it's food and what yogis think about in terms of that it nourishes life force energy. Anything that nourishes life force energy is considered nourishment and food and yoga. And I would say sleep, coming back to sleep again, and sunshine. Actually being exposed to sunlight for a minimum of 30 minutes a day so that we can stay in touch with those circadian rhythms, with those diurnal rhythms that really mandate our health, ultimately, with our hormone regulation. Um, and those, those are elements we've gotten so far away from, being indoors as long as we are. Our bodies are a bit confused as to what processes it should be doing at what times of day. And so uh, more sleep, more sunshine, and more bitter taste, those three things. Then the, my final question, uh, what are your three health tips for anyone who wants to improve their overall wellness? I think, I think the, the biggest tips for improving your overall wellness will be to find ways 
that are going to help you manage your stress levels, that are healthy coping skills, not the self-medicating that we often do through emotional eating or drinking or the weed or the wine or whatever it is. Um, and, and there's so much I could say, but definitely prioritizing uh, is, is going to be a big one. And prioritizing your digestion, you know, getting that back to baseline. And, and I think the easiest way to do that is to start just by having an earlier, lighter dinner and try to finish your dinner by 6 p.m. when you can as a practice. Uh, challenging in our culture. Most are still commuting home from work or still at work. But you find ways of um, meal planning and preparation, which is a big part of your self-healing. You're not going to be able to go very far down the path of self-healing if you leave your food preparation to someone else. So depends on where you're starting at or from, and you build your skill set from there. So all of us have fascia in our bodies and it is our responsibility to keep it as healthy as possible so that we can move well and be pain free. So that's what we'll be learning about in the next episode. And if you want to check out the show notes for this show, then head on over to summitforwellness.com slash 165. That'll take you right to the show notes for this specific episode. And you can learn more about Terry and some of her products and whatnot over there. Okay, until next time. Keep climbing to the peak of your health.